I'm going to ask that you open up your Bibles to the book of John, the 14th chapter. I'm going to read a few verses. Uh, and in John 14, I'm going to read a couple of verses in John 15. I'm going to read maybe one or two verses in John 16. Amen. But I'm going to go 14, 15, 16, and then we're just going to let the Holy Ghost do the rest. Amen. John 14, beginning at verse number 16. John 14, beginning at verse number 16. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says as so. And I will pray the Father. Now notice that that text right away doesn't say, and I will pray to the Father. It says, and I will pray the Father. And this word pray here in the original language is different than uh, most often when you see the word pray. It is really, literally the word ask. And I will ask the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you, watch this now, forever. That's a powerful promise. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Oh, God. Next verse. I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you now jump down to verse 25 verse 25 these things have I spoken unto you being yet present with you next verse but the comforter there goes that word comforter again which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Ooh, now jump to John 15. John 15 and verse 26. But when the comforter, there it goes again, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me show me the next verse and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning now show me john chapter 16 and verse number seven nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away for if i go not away the comforter that goes again will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him Unto you. Now jump to verse number 12. We're going to read 8 through 11 a little later. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Next verse. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Next verse. He shall glorify me, he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Ooh, that's a lot of good stuff, right? Notice that at least four times in there, we heard the word, the comforter. That's who we're going to be talking about for a while. Is that all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we ask you, Lord God, to add blessing to your word. Minister to your people. Hallelujah. Edify. 
built up, Lord God, your people so they could be strong, hallelujah, in word. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Let me just give you a quick backdrop of what's happening here, hallelujah. Chapter 14, 15, and 16, just in case you did not know, is happening in one place. It's happening in the upper room. If you, if you, if you decide to go back to chapter 13, chapter 13 is when we have that famous story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Isn't that amazing, right? The creator of the world washing the feet of the created. That's pretty amazing. Not only is he washing the, the, the feet of all the disciples, he's washing the feet of Judas, who he knows is going to betray him. And no, notice how he knows he's going to betray him, still gets to him knowing that, still serves him, still washes his feet. Well, we can learn a lot about leadership from Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But that's not what I came to preach. Anyhow, in chapter 14, in the beginning, we find that Judas leaves him. Judas leaves him, is not, and now it's the 11. So 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus sitting in the upper room at the Last Supper, talking to his disciples, watch this, because at 9 a.m., he is going to be crucified. He's going to be arrested before that. But at 9 a.m., in that morning, he is going to be crucified. So I think it is very important that we take heed to what it is that he says before he dies. Are you with me in this place? And so notice what he tells his disciples. He starts uh, chapter 14. If you ever go to read the whole chapter, he starts off by saying, don't be troubled or do not let your heart be troubled. And he's telling them that because he's about to give them the news that he's going away. Uh, don't let your heart be troubled because I'm leaving. And could you imagine the disciples? We've been walking with you now for about three and a half years and you're just going to spring this on me? You, you're leaving? What do you mean you're leaving? Uh, you can't leave. We just left. We just left everything to follow you, and we come this far, and now you're telling us you're leaving. And so, of course, I'm troubled. And so he tells them, do not be troubled because if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and, and watch this. Where I'm going, you can't go right now, but I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. And, and if that is not enough, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send another helper, another comforter. The word comforter there in the, in the original Greek is alos paracletes. Uh, alos meaning another of the same kind. Paracletes meaning one who comes alongside to help. In other words, I'm sending you another helper. In other words, watch this, and he shall not just be with you, he shall be in you. And Jesus is trying to encourage them because he's letting them know, up until now, you have had help with you, but you're about to receive help in you. Up until now, you have had help from without. But you're, begin, you're going to begin to walk in a season where you're going to have help within. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Yeah, in other words, up until now, help has been with you and help has had to come to you. Jesus could testify there have been times where I've had to come to you walking on water. There have been times where I've had to come to you coming down off a mountain to help you. Like Lazarus, there have been times where I have had to travel a little bit in order to get to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But not, not in a little while from now, you're going to have help within you. You're going to have, watch this, a present help. God, help me in here. Uh, many of us are calling on God for help or wondering where our help is. Let me help you. You have help within. The one that lives on the inside of you is a helper. Part of his responsibility and his assignment is to help you. He, he brings new life to the term Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. Help's not coming, help is present. He is a very present help in the time of trouble because help is always in me. Mm. If you're in here, shout glory. I was thinking about this and I couldn't help but think about a movie that I saw recently with my wife. I was watching a movie called The Help. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the title of that movie, The Help. It's about a Mississippi girl in the 1960s who, who, who writes a book, watch this, uh, about the African-American women who were, watch this, hired help in the houses of white American uh, owners, watch this, and their responsibility was to help keep the house. The problem was that while they were helping and doing a really good job of it, they were being mistreated. And they would be talked down to, they would be lied to, they would be abused verbally and physically, they would be devalued. Uh, they, would, they were not being appreciated. And all they were doing was helping in the house. So let me ask you a question. How have you been treating the one that has been assigned to help you in your house. And, uh, you don't hear me. In other words, the Holy Spirit, watch it, do you not know that your temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit now dwells in your house. He has been assigned to help keep the house. And we often, hallelujah, with our actions... With the things we say, you're not going to talk back to me. With the things that we do, uh, we devalue or do not appreciate the helper within. So let me ask you one more time. How have you been treating the help in the house that has been assigned to you? Oh, God, help me in here. Let me give you another illustration so that you can understand it further. I couldn't help but think about that word comforter because I read it like four times in the text. And, and it kind of reminded me about when me and Cherise bought a new comforter for our bedroom. And you know what I'm talking about, right? You buy a new comforter. Those things ain't cheap, by the way. You know, the wife will tell you we need a new comforter. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. How much did it cost? And then when you hear, you're like, jeez. Right? So watch this. And I remember... 
uh, that she said we needed a new comforter. We're going to get a new comforter. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's get a new comforter. And, 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 and we get it, and, and she puts it on the bed, and she wants to show it to me. So I come up to look at it, and you see this beautiful, right, this beautiful plush. Uh, one of the things that I can remember is that it was really thick compared to the old one because after you had the old one for a little while, you flattened that thing. Come on. And so it's really plush, and it's really, really thick. And I remember uh, just going down to dinner and, and, and while eating, just thinking about how good I was going to sleep that night. Amen. And, and, and even after dinner, just sitting down watching the news with Sharice, we usually do that before we go to bed. We, we just get together and, and spend a little bit of time. And so we're watching the news. And even while I'm watching the news, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to go upstairs and, and get up under this, this, this comforter and let this comforter cover me. Right. So, so, so watch this. Uh, I get upstairs and, and the first words out of my mouth is somebody stole the comforter. Because it's not on the bed. And so you know how we do, man. Don't leave me up here by myself. I'm like, where is the comforter? And then your wife looks at you like, like, duh. Like, like, you're supposed to know. Well, let me help you ladies. We don't know. Where is the comforter? And then she would say something like, duh. The comforter is not for use. It's for show. Help me in here, somebody. It's not for use. It's for looks. And so I thought about that and then I asked myself, I wonder how many people have a comforter that's not for use. Have a comforter that they have pushed off to the side as being unimportant, hallelujah. And then you wonder why you're restless. And then you wonder why you're not getting a good night's sleep. That comforter is supposed to provide rest, supposed to provide comfort, supposed to provide covering. And so I ask myself the question, I wonder how many people have a comforter That has no use. You know, since then I found out that there are a lot of things in my house <laughs> that are not for use, they're just for show. There are towels in my house that you could use and I can't use. And it's my house. They're called guest towels. Yeah, I need somebody to help me in here. There are towels in my bathroom, my bathroom that I can't use. They're not for use. They for show. And I'll come out of the shower soaking wet and see this nice plush towel and I will, I will use it. Only to hear my wife come up to me a little while later and say, what are you doing? It's amazing how, like a grown man, you can feel like a little kid again. I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? Duh, that's not for use. That's for show. And then I might get something like, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I was wet. 
Azon Tao. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Have you pushed your comforter to the side? Is he off to the corner somewhere in a place of non-use? That's not why he's in you. Are you in this place, church? Ah, oh, God, help me in here. So the first thing I want to say to you, very simple, and most of you know this already, is simply this. Number one, he is my helper. He is my helper. You know, since I mentioned one motion picture already, let me just mention another one. This is not necessarily a good, I would say a great illustration because it only serves as, as being good for maybe one attribute of the Holy Spirit. But you're going to learn a little later when we read about his attributes that he has many, many attributes. Amen. And I, I could not help of thinking of a classic. I like some of the classics. I don't get to go to the movies much. I, I like some of the classics. And I couldn't help but think about the movie Terminator. Anybody familiar with that movie? Now, 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 without going into a lot of details about this movie, I think it was the second one, uh, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is, watch this, sent from another time zone into the world, amen, to, to watch over. He is assigned to cover, uh, to protect, or watch this, to keep this young boy alive so that this young boy can accomplish his assignment. At the same time, there is an enemy that is trying really hard to thwart, ruin, and destroy that young man from accomplishing his assignment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what I'm trying to say is that you need to know that the Holy Spirit living inside of you has been sent by Jesus with the assignment to seal you uh, until the day of redemption to keep you, to assist and to help you get to your expected end. He is my helper. The reason I said that this particular motion picture is not necessarily a good uh, illustration is because he's only good in the area of the attribute of the Holy Spirit being powerful. Because how many of you know that he is powerful? Amen. But watch this. The Bible lets us know when you read Galatians 5 and 22 concerning the fruits of the Spirit that, he, that he's also loving, peaceful, joyful, kind, Gentle, amen somebody, long-suffering, self-control. So he's also the, all these amazing things. Now, all those attributes I just gave you are the attributes of a person. So it's not a good illustration because the one assigned to help the boy is a robot. And so what I want to submit to you in this place is that the one that has been assigned to live on the inside of you as your helper is not a robot. He's not just a strong force. He is a person. And we're going to talk about that some more in just a moment. Are you blessed in here? Can I, can I go ahead and give you some Bible? 
Show me John 16 and verse number 8. John 16 and verse number 8. I read 7 and I jumped to 12, so now I want to give you 8 through 11. You ready? Watch this. And when he has come. Now, this is Jesus talking about what is going to happen when the Holy Ghost comes. Or what it is that the Holy Ghost is going to do when he comes. Amen? All right. So, and when he has come, he will reprove. Another word or another translation says convict. He will reprove or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And if we stop right there and we don't read the rest of this text, we can easily, easily take this scripture out of context. And we can easily make it say what we want it to say. But the responsibility, watch this, to interpret scripture, I'm going to mess you up, is the scriptures. And what happens with us many times is that we try <laughs> to interpret it or make it say what we want it to say. Are you following what I'm saying? So if you read this loosely, you read this and go, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and unrighteousness and of judgment. And, and you can easily turn around and say, yeah, when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to come to let you know you're a sinner. You ain't living right, and God's going to get you. I can make it say that if we stop right here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But then I love what Jesus does because he interprets it for us. And I'm so glad that he did. So let's hear what he has to say about the rest of this text in verse 9. Of sin because they believe not in me. Ooh. Let me see the rest of it. Of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now watch this. Of sin because they do not know me. How many of you in this place by a show of hand have, has ever been convicted of sin? Convicted of sin. Uh, when you are convicted of sin, that is a good thing. But let me help you in here. Contextually, this is not talking about people that are saved. This is not talking about, watch, go back to, go back to uh, verse number 8. Go back to verse number 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin because, what? They believe not in me. This is not talking about, watch this, convicting people who believe in me. This is talking about uh, before you get saved, convicting the world of sin because they don't believe in me. In other words, the Holy Ghost is coming to let the world know that without God, without Jesus, you are condemned and without hope. And Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, and I'm going to do it through you when I send the Holy Ghost upon you. Are you hearing me in here? And then it says, watch this, the next verse. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of righteousness. Now let me help you in here. It did not say, and I'm going to convict the world on righteous living the word righteousness here when you look it up righteousness means right standing with God I'm not only going to use you who believe in me to convict 
the world of sin so they could know that without Jesus, they are condemned. Hallelujah. I'm also through you going to show the world that salvation is not man's work, but it is God's work. Watch this when he says, because I go to my father, he's in essence saying, what I have done is finished. And because it is finished now, I'm going to go to my father. Going to my father is an example of him taking the offering to the most holy place in the heavenlies. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what God is saying, listen, I asked you the question, have you ever been convicted of sin? Watch this, and some of you raised your hand, but I got one for you now. Have you ever been convicted of righteousness? Have you ever had God minister to you and tell you, you in right standing? Mm. Because that's what the Holy Ghost is come to do. He's come to let the people who don't know God get convicted of sin so they could know him. And then he's letting the people who know him be reminded that they are in right standing with him. And sometimes when you make a mistake, hallelujah, the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren wants to come, hallelujah, to put a label on you so that you can walk around with guilt, hallelujah, as though you have lost your place. But if, if we lost our place because we made one mistake, then I'm going to see all of you in hell. Because ain't nobody in here could testify that they've never made a mistake. But God is so good. Hey, hey. Whew. I said he's so good, hallelujah, that he will convict you of righteousness. That he will overwhelm you with his love and let you know, I know you made a mistake, baby, but I know your heart, hallelujah, and you're still in right standing with me. As long as there are mistakes and you are not wallowing like the swine, hallelujah, in the mud, as long as you are a sheep who does not like to get dirty, hallelujah. God will convict you of righteousness. Will prove to the world that the plan of God is a grace plan. And that it's not man's plan. And that man does not have the power to take himself to heaven or to earn a place in heaven. It is God's work. When the Holy Ghost comes, I'm going to convict the world of sin so that they that do not know me can know me. And those that know me understand that they need to keep the helmet of salvation on so their mind will not be affected when the accuser comes to accuse them of every little thing. That's a good place to shout right there. Then he goes on to say, of judgment because, show it to me. Because the prince of this world is judged. Who is the prince of this world? You read your Bible carefully, you're going to find that Satan, up until now, is still considered the prince of this world. But 2,000 years ago, on Calvary, he was judged. And he was defeated. So listen to what Jesus is saying. When the Holy Ghost comes, 
He's going to use you to convict. He's talking to his disciples. He's going to use you to convict the world of sin of those who do not know him so they could come to know him. He's going to convict those that know him of righteousness so that they can stand their ground. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then he's going to remind us that the devil is defeated. And he no longer has authority over us because he has been judged. Oh, God, help me in here. Stop giving him so much credit. He's already defeated. Just because he's running around, hallelujah, doesn't mean he got power. He has the power you give him. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Oh, God, hallelujah. That word convict in the original language is the word convince. I'm going to convince the world through you through the preaching of the gospel, that they are sinners in need of a savior. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm going to convince you of righteousness, which is by grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm going to convince you and encourage you and remind you that the devil that's fighting you already lost. Hmm. And you need to walk in that confidence. He's helping you. Are you blessed in here? If you're blessed, shout glory. So, he is my helper. Number two, you ready to get messed up? I figured I messed you up a little bit before we leave tonight. Number two, he is God. He is God. He is the third person in the Godhead Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear witness in heaven, and all three are one. So when you're talking about God, you have to understand that you're talking about a triune God. A tripart God, a God that is three persons, but that is so harmoniously united, it's beyond human comprehension. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's the three in one God, and yet he's still one. God, help me in here. I can't. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And he made you a tripart being. You are body, soul, and spirit. Three parts, one person. Only difference is, watch this, you are one person with three parts. He is three persons and yet still one. Just to give you an idea of how, how united the three are. Can I help you in here? Ain't none of them tripping. Ain't none of them jockeying for position. Ain't none of them on a power trip trying to determine who's the greater one as a matter of fact let me help you in here never make the mistake to devalue number three because he comes after one and two see because we have this we have this ideology that says if if you're one and you're two you're higher than three but can i help you in here each one is equally a part of the godhead 
Oh, God, help me in here. Each one is equally a part of the God. As a matter of fact, I could argue that point if I wanted to because I could tell you that the scriptures allow us to know that there are blasphemies that will be permitted against the Father and there are blasphemies that will be permitted against the Son. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a sin that is unpardonable. You don't mess with number three. Don't make the mistake to devalue number three because he comes after one and two. We'll talk about what that means on another day. Amen. That's not my assignment today. Watch this. Hallelujah. So, so watch this. It's amazing to me because it's easy for us to do it because of the humility of number three. Because watch this. We read a moment ago that he will not testify of himself. Nor will he speak about himself. He will only glorify the son. Oh God, help me in here. He, 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 he's humble. In the same way Jesus, who is the son, came humbly to show us the father. The Holy Ghost only shows us the son. So you have to be careful that you don't make the mistake to idolize the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, if you idolize him, he ain't moving. He only moves, and I'll show you on a later sermon, the kind of message you have to preach so the Holy Ghost can move. Uh, I told you I'm full, but I can't preach that today. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. He is God. He is part of the Godhead, and he has an equal part. Uh, let me just remind you of some of the scriptures I read very quickly. Uh, John 14 and 16 says, watch this. I, Jesus, that's one person, will pray the Father, that's person number two, and he will send the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, that's person number three. You see the Godhead in one verse. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In John 14 and 26, it says, the Holy Spirit, one person, who the Father, second person, will send in my name, talking about Jesus, third person. In one verse, John 15, 26, when the comforter, one person, that's the Holy Ghost, comes, which I, talking about Jesus, second person, will send from the Father, third person. Oh, God, help me in here. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? I'm trying to teach. We can go to John the Baptist and watch John the Baptist baptizing at the Jordan. And one day, on one particular day, here comes Jesus. And Jesus steps into the muddy waters of the Jordan. When Jesus steps into the muddy waters of the Jordan, all of a sudden the Bible says that John recognizes who he is. And he says, behold the lamb, the first person, Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden the heavens open up and a voice from heaven that says, this is my son, talking about Jesus again, in whom I'm well pleased. If he's the son, I'm the father, second person. And then the Holy Spirit descends upon him as a dove third person are you with me in here I'm, I'm still laying down the groundwork i don't even know if i'm gonna get to the good stuff today stay with me though hallelujah you'll find that in luke 3 and 22 in matthew 28 and 19 we know it as the great commission watch this it says go therefore and make disciples of every nation watch this baptizing them in the name not in the names. You see, this is why you can't read the Bible loosely. It doesn't say baptizing them in the names. But it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Still one name. Uh, 
in the name. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. Now, now I said, I made a statement that he is God. He is part of the Godhead, so then he is God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Father is God. The Son is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For me and the Father are... But let me show you something about the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. This is when Ananias and Sapphira went, went ahead and messed up. Acts 5 and 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why have Satan filled thy heart to lie, watch this now, to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Next verse. While it remains, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thy own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. When you lie to the Holy Ghost, you lied to God. Are you in here, church? Am I doing all right so far? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me just give you something because I'm already running out of time. That clock is working against me. Let me just give you some, let me give you a summary. And at the same time, some things that we will address, maybe not today. But let me just give them to you anyway so that you know. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and through us. He, he, he doesn't just intercede for us. We're going to get into that later on. He intercedes through us. Amen, somebody. On the earth. Watch this. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies every minister for the work of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. It was in Acts chapter 13 while they were ministering that the Holy Ghost spoke and said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. Here goes the next one. The Holy Spirit hears speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. Don't you think it would be good to get to know him if he does all that? Just saying. Watch this. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ, reveals Christ to us, and brings all of Christ's words to remembrance. Oh, God, help me in here. He glorifies Christ, reveals Christ to us, and brings all of Christ's words to remembrance. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. Knows the deep things of God. Searches all things and reveals them to us. My God have mercy. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is liberty. The writers of the Bible spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. We are warned not to grieve nor to quench the Holy Spirit 
living on the inside of you. In other words, don't mistreat the help in the house. Hallelujah. Watch this. The sin against the Holy Spirit is unpardonable. Watch this. Unless a man be born of the Spirit, he cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. We are convicted by him. We are born again by him. We are led by him, filled by him, and sealed by him. Somebody shout the Holy Ghost. Do you know him? I wonder how many people have a comforter that's of no use. When he is a gift given from God with a major function to help you accomplish your assignment. Hmm. So watch this. He's my helper. He's God. And let me try to wrap this up. He is a person. Oh, boy. Uh, not a person in that he's human. But what I'm trying to get at is that he has a personality. Are you in this place? You cannot have a relationship with a thing. And if you do, come to the altar after service. So I can pray with you. Amen. <laughs> In order for you to have a relationship, what you're in relationship with has to be able to talk back to you, communicate back to you. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. You know, I heard, I heard, I heard somebody, I don't know if I read it or I heard somebody say it, uh, somebody who thought that he could help God <laughs> uh, made this, uh, this, uh, Announcement. They said that uh, it would have been easier maybe if God would have gave the Holy Spirit a name. You know, because we have the Father and we have the Son. So maybe he should have called the Holy Ghost the, the sister or the, or the... He said it would have been so much easier if he would have just gave him a name like Bill. <laughs> and he said if he would have gave him a name like Bill, then the formal church could have called him William. And the wild church could have called them Billy. I read that. I know it's not that humorous, but I, I, I did read it. I thought it was a little bit funny. Amen. But watch this. You have the Father, you have the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that he's only called comforter, helper, five times in the Bible. And we just read four of them. Every other time he's mentioned in the Bible, he's in the Greek, hagios which is holy, and pneuma, which is spirit. Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. So let me ask you a question, hallelujah, because his name is really descriptive is what it is. If you really want to get technical, I don't really want to mess with you too much on the first day, but if you really wanted to get technical, his name is God. Just like the Son is God, and just like the Father is God. But these are descriptive. The Father speaks about his character. The Father speaks about his attributes, his function. The Son, attributes, function, and the Holy Spirit, 
as well. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? So, so I just made a statement and I said that he's a person. What constitutes a person? And you might be in here and you might say life. And you're okay, life constitutes a person, but a tree has life. A tree has life. That doesn't make a tree a person. What constitutes a person? Here's the simplest answer. A personality. A person has a personality. Now, with seven minutes left, I'm going to challenge your mind. So I hope you're not tired. With seven minutes left. What constitutes a person? Can I mess you up? A soul. Now, wait a minute. Ooh, let's hit the brakes here for one second. Can I ask you a question in here? And if you only had two seconds to answer it, what would your answer be? Does God have a soul? I said you only had two seconds. Does God have a soul? And some of the scholars are thinking right now, no, God does not have a soul because God is spirit. That's what the Bible says. You wouldn't be wrong to say that God is spirit. Amen? But watch this. Let's talk about what constitutes a soul. Amen? What constitutes a soul is, number one, a will, a mind, and emotions. So then the next question has to be, does God have a mind? Does God have a will? And does God have emotions? Now stay with me, stay with me, because I don't want to mess you up too bad. Uh, I'm just asking questions. Amen? <laughs> Are you blessed in here? But the Bible says that God has a spirit. Now, can I show you some Bible? Okay, show me Matthew 12, 18. I'm going to try to land this plane right here. Matthew 12, 18. Ah. Matthew 12, 18. Listen to what it says. Behold, this is God speaking. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my, what? Soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. Let me show you another one. Hebrews 10.38. Hebrews 10.38. When was the last time you studied this? <laughs> Watch this. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Let me show you some Old Testament. Leviticus 26, verses 11 and 12. Leviticus 26. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. We don't even have to read the next one. But, and I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Just so you know that it's God that's speaking here. Amen. Isaiah 42, 1. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So I'm going to ask you the question one more time. Does God have a soul? Don't be so quick. Don't be so quick to answer. Theologians are wrecking their brains because of this. Because, watch this, they, they, most theologians will tell you, and they have a specific word that they like to use for it, it's an anthropomorphism or an anthropomorphic 
term. The Bible uses anthropomorphic language, watch this, on different occasions in the scriptures. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When the Bible says, and the hand of the Lord came upon Gideon, it suggests that God has a body, but God does not have a body. It's not talking about a literal hand. It's talking about God's action and God's power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so many scholars believe, hallelujah, that it's not necessarily that God has a soul like the one that he gave man. What they say, watch this, is that this is not meant to describe God's ontological nature, but rather intended to describe his character. But then there are other theologians that say, yeah, that's a fancy way of them saying they don't know. So they say he has some part of him that is soulish, perhaps not like the one he made man because the Bible says that when he made man, he made the body and then he blew. And then when the breath hit the body, man became a soul. So God doesn't have a body. So God couldn't become a soul, but God created man in his image and in his likeness. And what you cannot deny is that God has thoughts. Does God think? Does God have a will? And does God have emotions? And so I'm going to let the theologians keep arguing about it and you come up with your own conclusion. Amen? Whether it is anthropomorphic or literal, there is no denying that God has thoughts. How can you have thoughts without some kind of mind? Hey, I don't want to lose you in the last five minutes. But the, the theologians don't want to make the mistake to reduce him to a mere man because he's so much higher than we are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is deity and we are not. He is divine and we are not. And so maybe he just gave us a little essence of what he has. Amen? But you cannot compare us to him. Are you in this place, church? A person with a soul has thoughts. A person with a soul has desires. A person with a soul has feelings. Think of all the scriptures that talk about the mind. For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But then he goes up as far, but then he lets us know, don't get it twisted. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Amen, somebody. Mm. Think about all the scriptures that talk about his will. I don't have time to show them to you because I'm running out of time. All the scriptures that talk about his will. All, all, all the scriptures that talk about his feelings, how he feels, whether he's pleased or whether he's angry. The Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. Hallelujah. So watch this. We have someone living on the inside of us who knows the mind of God knows the will of God, knows the desires of God, knows the feelings that God likes. And did it ever dawn on you that he's inside of you to help train you to think like God thinks, to will like God wills, to desire like God desires, and to feel like God feels? 
Do you know who's living on the inside of you? My God, I'm still just laying this thing down. When you study the attributes of God, I got to wrap up. When you study the attributes of God, there are many, but there are three in particular that start with the prefix omni. Three in particular that start with the prefix omni. And those three, when you study them out, actually speak to the mind, to the will, and to the emotions. The Bible says that he's omniscient. Omniscient. Omni meaning all. Omniscient meaning knowledge. He has all knowledge. He is all knowing. He has all science. That speaks of his mind. Omnipotent. All powerful. I'm God. You don't tell me what to do. I do whatever. That's talking about him exerting his will. Are you hearing me in here? Omnipresent means he's everywhere at the same time. What does that got to do with emotions? When he makes his presence known, you feel it. Ah, help me in here. You feel it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah, Jesus. You have, oh man, you have natural senses and you have spiritual senses. You have natural senses and you have, did you know that? You have spiritual senses. If I had time, I would take you to a parable in the Bible where it talks about Abraham's bosom. In Abraham's bosom, there's a man who dies. I believe his name is Lazarus. Watch this. He dies and he goes to Hades. Shoel. Hell. And in there, watch this. He died. He's buried. He don't have a body, but he can feel the burning. Because he has spiritual senses. The Bible talks about spiritual senses. Watch this. Uh, they have eyes, but they cannot see. It's talking about a spiritual sight. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Let he that hath an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Spiritual ear. God, help me in here. There is a spiritual smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever said this before? I smell something fishy. It's not necessarily talking about you smelling fish. It's talking about you discerning something. When you have discerning, you have smell in the spirit. Help me in here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's not literal. Are you in this place, church? touch you you long for him to touch you are you hearing what i'm saying if you're blessed in here shout glory he has a mind he has thoughts whether it's anthropomorphic term to describe the depth of his knowledge or the fact that he has some kind of mind he thinks amen and your Holy Spirit thinks, John 14, 13 says, when I come, when he comes, he will teach and guide you into all truth. How can he guide you into all truth? Lest he knows all the truth. Amen? What is God's IQ? What is God's IQ? Albert Einstein's IQ is 209. 
just a few points ahead of mine. Now I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. More like 150. But anyway, his IQ was 209. What's God's IQ? Can I help you answer that so you don't wreck your brain? God don't have no IQ. Because IQ stands for, watch this, intelligence quotient. And God has intelligence. But quotient is something that they use to measure one's intelligence. And God's intelligence is immeasurable. Do you hear what I'm saying in here? He's all-knowing. He's a know-it-all. God, help me in here. There isn't anything that he does not know. Ah, do you know that God can't think of anything he hasn't thought of before? God can't think of anything he has thought of before. Because if he can think of something he's never thought of before, that means that he can learn something. But he knows everything. So he can't think of nothing he hasn't thought of. Let me put it to you another way. It has... When it comes to God, nothing has ever occurred to him. God never says, oh, it just occurred to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That cannot happen to him. He has all science. He knows everything. Oh, God, help me in here. And here is the good news. You have a person living in you that knows everything about everything and has committed himself to be your teacher. I said you have a God on the inside of you who knows everything about everything and has committed himself to be your teacher. That's the Holy Ghost. I'm going to stop right there. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap in here.